Would you please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews? And every now and then we have to be reminded that chapter divisions aren't necessarily inspired, that thoughts running through the book don't end at the end of one chapter and start with the other, that they connected, they flow. And uh, here's one of those times where we, we start in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, and we're going to read to the end of chapter 13. And um, I guess I can warn you ahead of time, because it already says part one. I don't always put that out there, because sometimes I have the, the obnoxious idea that I'm going to get it all done in one message, and then I find out, oops, I couldn't. This time I, I full well knew I couldn't. So we're going to soak ourselves in this scripture reading this weekend as well as next week, and you're invited to read, meditate on it as, as much as you could. Starting with Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, their, their life. Uh, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with diverse, strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats or foods, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate or share, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, 
For we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation. For I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. We wish people a happy new year. We wish them a happy new year, and, and we hope that good things will happen to them. They wish us the same. But there's no guarantee that good things will happen in 2024. There is likely to be a, a blend of good things and bad things. That's the way it usually goes. Thankfully, we are told that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And, you know, of all the things I like in that verse, I seem most attracted to the word purpose. Things look crazy. Things look insane. Things look chaotic. But we're looking at the wrong side of the weaving and the side that God's forming and will show us in eternity. It's going to be all perfect. And we must remember there's always a purpose for what's happening. And as I prayed earlier, God doesn't have uh, problems. He only has plans. Now, we can pray, but we can't control the things that will happen to us in this world. Asking God for good things is fine. We're taught to do so. But if we want to be happy in the world, we need to focus on what's happening in us more than what's happening to us. It's been said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to what happens to you. So the focus of this message is on what we can do to make us faithful, happy, content, joyful, and peaceful in 2024. It's inside work that we need to focus on. Many passages in the scripture could have been used to elaborate on this matter. And I've offered a list of possibilities. Uh, some of them we will perhaps consult uh, today or next week. And if you don't like Hebrews 13, you just go back to one of these passages and read them instead. And get the same message, what we're about to say. Now, when I say that Hebrews 12, 28 through 13, 25 has been chosen, I believe I can say with confidence it wasn't just me picking a, you know, drawing straws or I, I wrote all these verses on pieces of paper and just drew one. No, I believe God chose this. And so I have to go at it dutifully and happily. Um, some of the above references, as I've said, will 
we'll, we'll probably have to confer with a few of them. But we've got this word or this phrase that we're going to keep in our minds. The word let and the phrase let us. And as I scan some of the other more popular translations, more heavily used, um, sometimes they just use the contraction, let's. Same thing. It's all the same thing. And uh, this just got me interested. And we're looking at how let or let us or let's is used in the book of Hebrews. And um, it's a key to getting happiness from God as we go through the book of Hebrews or any other scriptures. These are great admonitions. The English word let implies a cooperation that we do so something can continue its action and purpose. And, and occasionally, um, a few translations will skip the word let or let's, and they'll just say make sure or something else. But it means that. And it's a lot harder to make cool sermons with all the matching words with translations that change them. They, they knew I was going to preach this outline, so they said, let's scramble it up a little. Well, no, they weren't thinking of me at all. There's just more than one way to say things. But this word, when we consider it, is going to make some things really stand out and pop for us. Um, let us and let's. Okay? We've talked about let, cooperating, doing something so that something can continue. We're not going to mess it up. Now, the phrase let us or let's, it implies that there is something to do individually and cooperatively, or I could have said corporately, but, but cooperatively gives me the picture of a, a, of a symphony. All these different instruments, they got all their different parts. And as they're all doing their thing together, something greater comes out of it all. Now, I really love symphonies. You know, I'm, I'm really into that. And in a sense, we are a symphony before God when we operate together, co-operate. We're not just letting you do your thing, and I do my thing. It's we are doing something together that the combination, well, it's something that is music to God and to anybody else who wants to listen. So follow the conductor, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to direct us as members of a symphony, and something beautiful can come out of it. Now, Maybe you don't want to hear this, but i got to say it. There is not just this separate Greek word saying let. It's something that's built into various Greek words. And translators need to insert an English word that makes it an imperative, an exhortation to do something. Okay? Most of the time in the book of Hebrews, we see this word and phrase, but sometimes we get wording that tells us to keep on doing something to make sure something is done. And uh, so we're going to look at a list of scriptures in the scanning the whole book of Hebrews. We're just going to look at it and get a bigger picture of, of how God wants to spur us on to do things. And it might even imply to not do some things and to work with everybody else. So this is done throughout the whole church. Now, again, grammar may not interest you. But uh, when Sue and I were learning sign language, we had a problem. We had, we had exact English signing. And then we found out that very few deaf people use it. 
they use American Sign Language, which abbreviates things. It, it gets to the point quicker. It's, it's just like you may know proper English, but you can say all kinds of things, and it works. And everybody knows what you mean. And language is kind of fluid that way. But it would sometimes get into debates about what's the right way to sign. I'm going to give you an example, and anybody who is only going to hear this message may not benefit. But in exact English signing, we'd say, let us go to the store. Okay? And most of us don't talk like that. So American Sign Language says, let's go to the store. So I said the same thing, but it breezed by. We, we like to talk abbreviated and quick and slur things together and skip words or make up a little word or an ending to it. We, we, it works. And so uh, you, you have this in language and you have in Scripture here something that is implied yeah, it's there in the Greek, but I don't have. The, I can't show you this exact Greek word for this is let and this is us. It's together. It's together. And I'm trying to keep it together, but I want you to appreciate. Because if you try to dabble in like an interlinear Bible or something, you're not going to see everything that you thought you were going to see. Okay, so enough of that. We're looking for this idea of this word saying let. Let something happen. Make sure something happens. Or let us do this. And let's all of us do it. Okay? Um, this list, I'm not going to preach this through. I'm, I'm going to talk it through really briefly. I guess I want to make an impression on you. And I might even get you overwhelmed that, wow, we're supposed to learn and do things from reading the book of Hebrews. Now, in some books, Paul would take Romans, for example, and 11 chapters of brilliant theology, justifying the works of God and how he can justify guilty sinners and not be uh, guilty himself, how he can maintain his holiness, and all the dealings of God with mankind from the beginning of time. 11 chapters of this, and then chapter 12 comes along and says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you... And, and, and the mercies of God is one way of describing 11 chapters of what he just said. How God has been just, and God has also been merciful, and examples and precision in explaining things, particularly in how he does it through Christ. And from chapter 12 on, it's practical stuff. Now do this, don't do that. Make sure this happens. And so it's practical. Uh, Ephesians, the same thing. First three chapters is really great theology. Really great pictures for your mind. And comes to chapter 4. Now let's, let's labor. Let's, let's be worthy in our walk. And he goes on in practical things, even the putting on of armor to go to war and all that. So there you see a book progressing, and we go from this to that. Hebrews, it's all woven. You're learning stuff. Oh, by the way, let's do this. Oh, read some more. Whoa, let that happen. And, and so it's in and out, in and out. And here's, here's what it looks like. I'm just, again, not going to preach it, not particularly explain it, just going to read it real slowly. It's in your back page if you haven't noticed. Let us fear, Hebrews 4.1. I'm not going to tell you what to fear. I'm just going to tell you that's what it says. You get to look this all up. You can use this as an outline if you want. Read in front of it and read after it and find all the particulars. But Hebrews 4.11, let us labor. Hebrews 4.14, 4, 
Let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly, that is, without fear, to the throne of grace. Hebrews 6.1, let us go on to perfection, which isn't sinless perfection, but it's maturity. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near, that is, near to God, with a true heart. Same chapter, verse 23, let us hold fast our profession of faith. Hebrews 10, now verse 24, says, Let us consider one another and encourage one another. Now, we used to have a little smiley moment. I, I don't want to call it a joke, but Hebrews 10, three in a row say, Let us, let us, let us. And we used to call that the Christian salad. There's your lettuce. Anyways, if somebody's listening to this message in another country, they're going to say, What's he talking about? <laughs> Okay, well, we, we go on to uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Let us lay aside the weight and the sin that hinders us. And also, in the very same verse, let us run with patience or endurance or perseverance the race that is set before us. Now it's going to start getting familiar. The rest of these are built into what I want to talk about in detail next week. Just so you know, next week, 1228, let us have grace. And another way to put that is let us be grateful. I'd like to think of let us have grace means let us be graceful, responding to the grace of God. And that should make us very grateful people, and we should be showing thankfulness. Okay, so let us have grace, let us be grateful, and worship God with reverence and awe, or godly fear. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. Hebrews 13.5, let your life, your conduct, be free of covetousness, the love of money, and be content. Hebrews 13.13, 13, let us go unto him, Christ, that is, Bearing his reproach. In Hebrews 13, 15, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That's a pretty good outline. And somebody wrote a book to fill it all in for you. Now, when discussing the ministry of God's word, it is often said, exposition must have application. Now, that phrase could just go over your head and you not pay much attention to it, but what it means is the Bible, when it's taught, must, there must be a conclusion that requires decision and action. Another phrase I was taught is doctrine is for doing, not just knowing. God's Word isn't just for accumulating facts and information. It is for transformation and obedience. Okay, when you, you look at some of the scriptures listed here, Psalm 119 and verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's not thy word have I hid in my heart that I can win the, the scripture contest at VBS. Okay, no, for the purpose of not sinning against God, I must put God's word in my heart. And verse 59 I'm not as good at quoting this one. Matter of fact, 
You're just going to have to put up with me. I meant to put my bookmark in here, and I didn't. Verse 59 of Psalm 119. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. So ways has to do with doing. Feet, the walk of life, and so forth. And then, of course, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It doesn't say that it lights up the nice lawn chair I'm sitting in, drinking iced tea. No, no but, but I'm, I'm moving somewhere. I'm following. Christ is a, is a moving object. The light has to move with us then. We don't just nail a light to a pole like in our parking lot and just stay in our little circle and congratulate each other that we're in this circle of light and nobody else is. No, we, he's a moving light. We have to move with him. Um, John 3, 21. You know, a- after we've had the wonderful, gracious truth that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we're taught there a salvation that's not by works of the law. It's not by man's sweaty efforts to raise himself up to some level that he thinks God wants him to be. But it's, it's by the gift of God. It's by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by the shed blood that washes us and cleanses us. And yet, the discussion progresses to verse 21. It says, but he that doeth truth, he that doeth truth, doesn't just say he that believes in truth or can quote truth. He that doeth truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. That's still talking about salvation by grace because they're wrought in God. The person trying to change themselves. They can better themselves a little and two steps forward, one step backward, two steps forward, two steps backward, three steps forward, three steps backward. It's it's like watching Dow Jones. But when we, it may be slow. Like the song says, little by little and every day, little by little and every way, Jesus is changing me. It may take years. But the fact is, God is working a work in me. He's created me. In Christ Jesus, unto good works. He's the workman. We are the workmanship. He has ordained that we should walk in those good works. And by and by, we can step in the light and say, by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I should be. But I am what I am by the grace of God. And hopefully other people, without you having to tell them, can say, Jesus has made a difference in your life. Tell me about this hope you have. Um, 1 Timothy 6.3. I do, do want to turn there because <clears throat> this is a subtlety that it might go unnoticed. You're so caught up in what he said before and you might get caught up in what he said afterward. And a lot of the quotes we love are afterwards. And this little old verse can just sort of get neglected. And I'm here to give it its proper attention. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, and, and, and I stop there because, well, he takes off on a whole 
thing about those people if they don't take heed to this or they teach contrary otherwise concerning this. But get that. These are wholesome words. They're the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they are doctrine, which is for the purpose of godliness. That according to godliness might might throw you because it's an older English way of speaking. The purpose of doctrine is to make us godly. Again, doctrine is for doing. Doctrine is for being transformed, becoming like Christ. And with Christ in us, we're going to do amazing things we never could have done on our own. And by the grace of God, keep on doing them. But remember, doctrine is according to godliness. It's not, it's not an intellectual, academic thing. Even though intellects and academics can really pursue the scriptures and, and, and get amazed with the wonderful things it contains and how it correlates with itself, if they will. But it's supposed to transform us and make us godly, like God. Okay, um, more portions there. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, complete, thoroughly furnished for all good works. Pretty clear statements. And I'm going to have to let Titus 2, 1 through 15, and James 1, and all that, you know, be ye doers of the word and, and, and not just hearers only. It, it's, it's pretty complete here in this little segment of scriptures that exposition must have application. We can talk about all the historical data and the, the language of, of the Hebrew or the Greek and, and bring in special nuances of words. And, and, and we can talk about what early church fathers said and we can quote this one and that one and, and so forth. But bottom line, did it, does it have anything in there to change my life? Am I being compelled to do something, to stop doing something? Now, I want to take you back to a time period when you went to the general store and you're going to buy a product, and instead of already being in this nice box, and it says so many ounces, um, they had scales. And you'd put your stuff in one little container on, on this side of the scales, and then they put the weights over here. And when it balanced out, well, that's what it was, and that's what you paid. Okay? Now, sometimes uh, a, a dishonest storekeeper would put some weights underneath already, Okay, and, and, and they, they're making this thing look heavier than it is. Or they put, excuse me, they put the weights on the part you pour it into. So they're going to try to charge you for more than what you really bought by those false weights under there. Now you, now you understand what this lady's about to say. And she comes to the minister and she says, that message you preached last week was the best message I ever heard. And the minister thinking, ah, she's just trying to be nice, maybe flatter, so he said, uh, and what was the message about? What part blessed you? He said, I can't remember what you said, but I went home and I changed the false balances out of my scales. <laughs> you, you can forget the messenger, but if you get the message from him and it makes you do stuff, now something's happened. Something profitable from the word has happened. Okay, so uh, in 2024, let us, know the Word of God, what God says, what God means by what He says, and what God wants from us 
based on what he says. Let us be transformed by his spirit through his word and devoted. We need to become devoted, obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Now I take you to John chapter 8 and verse 30. John chapter 8, verse 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus, verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's a beautiful quote. Carve it on a plaque, put it over the fireplace. Wear it on a t-shirt, whatever you want to do. But do you realize that as soon as he said that, an argument started. Now, we don't know which or which, but of these many Jews that believed on him, some of them got mad. They got mad, and a pretty ugly discussion gets going, and Jesus debates them and shows them what is. And by the time he gets done, at the end of this chapter, they're ready to pick up stones and kill him. So watch out for that moment. Like, oh, this is so wonderful. That could be thin veneer. That could be like the morning dew that as soon as the sun comes up, it's gone. But Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. What's disciple mean? Follower. You're my real followers. And then the truth is going to take a hold of you and and impact you, and liberate you from bondage of sin, and fear of man, and and, and the desire to to, to have man like you. you It's just all this stuff. You get liberated from the spirit of this world. But right away, people say, that sounds good. And in a moment, they say, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Once they find out who Jesus really is. So we have to deal sometimes with false professions of faith. People that... Maybe as sincere as can be, but they didn't really get it. Somewhat enlightened. Somewhat modified. And they've made changes. You remember Herod with John the Baptist? It says Herod liked John the Baptist, and he loved to listen to him, and he did many things. Which means, hey, he's coming along. But one day, John the Baptist said, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife, Philip's wife. And the old saying is, you quit preaching and go on to meddling. And Herod switched on him, put him in prison, eventually cut his head off. So watch out. Jesus said, the flesh, it is the spirit that quickens or makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, I speak continually unto you. They are spirit and they are life. You will know you're a child of God by continuing in the word and the Spirit bearing witness to you, and your Spirit bearing witness to Him. And yes, you'll have struggles. You might have a couple of fights with God yourself, but you'll settle down because it's your Heavenly Father and your wonderful, loving Savior. And you will remember what He did for you, and you'll learn the beauty of humility and submission. Let us be transformed by His Spirit through His Word. And be devoted, obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Some of the language of that statement comes from Acts chapter 
42. My Bible uses the word steadfastly. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they continued steadfastly, and that is to say devotedly, or they devoted themselves continually in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, I, I, I learned something a while ago. A long time ago, I learned that the word prayers has a Greek article, which is the prayers. So they weren't just praying. They were involving themselves, worshiping God, using the Psalms. Those are the prayers. A little room for liturgy, folks. You may have seen dead formalism do, not do a good job of it, but the Scriptures are full of this way of, of of serving God and communicating with Him. He's given us words for communication to our hearts and from our hearts. We can pray using the book of Psalms. But that's what, I learned that a long time ago. And more recently, I found out there's a, a Greek article, a definite article there in front of fellowship. So it wasn't just, hey, let's hang out. Yeah, we can read the Bible a little and have some pizza. Yeah, it's, it's the fellowship. They steadfastly, they devotedly gave themselves continually to the fellowship. Guess what that means? The church. The church, the one that it says at the end there, God added to it daily, such as should be saved. They, they had room for the church. They had room for one another. They spent time with each other. Now, doesn't mean that we, we know exactly what they did, but we get some really good ideas, which I can't elaborate on them. But the idea is the fellowship of the saints. Sometimes church has it sucked out the fellowship part. And, and churches are just full of form and ritual. You come in, there might as well be a time clock on, uh, in the back wall, and you punch in, da-da-da-da-da, yada-yada, and you're done. <laughs> See you next week. You know? The fellowship means church isn't something that you go to. It's something that you are. It's your life with God's family. Your participation in, in corporate worship and in service to God, fulfilling the Great Commission, and just all kinds of things. It's like you have this occupation. And Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we are to walk worthy of our vocation, our calling. We've been called to serve, and we have jobs, and we have spiritual gifts given to us so we can do those jobs. And, and sometimes we have a hard time figuring out what that really means and what it should look like today. The first step, presence. Be with one another. Communicate with one another. Get involved with one another. Yeah, you still can have a private personal life, but it's not these big high walls and churches is over here a little closet in your life. Just saying. We also look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. I don't have to turn there, but we all... With open face or unveiled face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. <clears throat> and that little innocent word changed <clears throat> doesn't tell you how powerful a word that is. It's the word transformed. 
Jesus went up on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured, transformed in front of them. And he started to show his glory, what it was like before. And, and what is it? Moses and Elijah showed up. And wow. And uh, dear Peter, he says, hey, let's make a church service out of this. We'll build these tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I got some great ideas. And the voice from above said, this is my Beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Which means before we get a bunch of ideas to bring to the table, let's listen to God. Let's listen to his son. Let's see what he wants. Worship isn't what pleases us. It's what pleases him. Transfigured. After those 11 chapters of great theology in Romans, chapter 12, after it says, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow. Transformed. Like Jesus showed his, his former glory to them. Transformed. Like not like this world anymore. It's apparent. I don't belong here. I don't feel like it. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We sang that a week ago at Terry's funeral. I'm just passing through. We're citizens of heaven. Now it says here, I'm looking into the scriptures. And it's a little dark sometimes, my understanding. But God doesn't have a veil over me. He's showing me stuff. He's opening it up to me. And as I behold, not, not the, the, the doctrinal teachings that can uh, kick these guys in the butt or, or get those guys prove they're wrong and you know, prove I'm right. No. Beholding the glory of the Lord now. Not just doctrine. Not just good stories. Not just good moral imperatives. Not just do's and don'ts or laws or regulations. I'm beholding the glory of the Lord. And I'm seeing Jesus on every page now. And to my surprise, I'm slowly being transformed into the image of the Son of God. And what's cool is you, you don't really notice it. It's, you're not so self-conspicuous about it. Maybe somebody else has to show you. But after a while, from glory to glory, step by step, little by little in every way, little by little in every day, okay? <laughs> I'm changing the image of the Son of God by the Spirit of God. Not by Alex Lindsay's 10 easy steps on how to be holy. But the Spirit of God's doing it just by me seeing Jesus more. I'm beholding him. I, I see him like I never saw him before. It's a book about Jesus. And the Spirit of Jesus gets into us and starts whittling away and, and fixing things and transforming things. This isn't just a little bit of change, folks. This is transformation. That's what the Word of God's designed for. That's what the will of God is. That's what Jesus came to do. And when you say the Lord is my shepherd, you better believe it. He's writing himself into you, programming himself into you. Let's take Romans 16. Romans 16, the last chapter of Romans. Paul has done all this wonderful teaching and all these admonitions and exhortations, he's, he's, he's done so much. Romans, I, just, I know they're all inspired of God, but this is a real masterpiece. This is the doctrinal backbone of the Bible. 
you can go from here and teach any other place in the Bible using the book of Romans. So verse 25 to 27, it's a benediction. It's a great way to end our thoughts this week. God help us next week. We're going to take Hebrews 12, 28 and run with that and look for let, let us and, and, and make some very specific applications from it. You've got the whole list there for Hebrews, but we're going to focus on that last part, about the last third of that list. 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God, only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. Father, please bless these words and help us with transformation. I'm sure you've done a bunch of it in our lives. But there's more to go, that we become more mature, more like Jesus. If anyone here may feel like they've had a veil over their face, and they haven't beheld the glory of the Lord, and they need this, Lord, help them to know that so they'll seek you and get everything settled so that they can say like that old hymn, I am his, and he is mine. Grant us courage and faith, confidence in Christ, with humility for 2024. And may our lives be a testimony of your grace and point to your glory. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.